Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky spoke to Parliament on Friday, and then he and Justin Trudeau jetted to Toronto, and he was at Fort York, where he spoke before a thousand people, most of them with some kind of roots in Ukraine. Moscow now, as always, is bent on controlling Ukraine and makes use of all available means to do that, including genocide. It is genocide what Russian occupiers are doing to Ukraine. And not only that, but I mean, there's just, I mean, so much about this Russian invasion of Ukraine is something borrowed from the era of World War II. The very idea that if you roll tanks into a country and personnel that you then control it or that you could hold it. Because sometimes I think, you know, the Ukrainians should just let the Russians come in and then the civilian Ukrainians can pick them off one at a time once they try to appoint a Russian police chief in their town. But they're also doing things like stealing Ukrainian children, taking them back to Russia and then indoctrinating them to hate their own country and their own culture. I mean, again, that is something distinctly um, you know, 1930s and 40s. Um, Melissa Haring is with us. She is an expert in uh, the situation currently involving Russia and Ukraine. And we thought that we would, uh, or Melinda, I should say, I can't get everybody's name wrong today. Uh, Melinda Herring, Senior Advisor at Razom for Ukraine, non-resident senior fellow at the Atlantic Council, and now joining us, good morning. Good morning, John. Okay, so let's talk about uh, this particular summit. And, uh, you know, we don't have to parse the speeches separately, but there was a speech to Parliament and then a speech in Toronto. And the Toronto affair was rousing and moving, to say the least, when, you know, people, especially kids, broke out into the Ukrainian national anthem. It was remarkable. Absolutely. So I, I think that that Zelensky did a great job both in the United States and in Canada in rallying the troops and in causing lawmakers to give as much as possible, to dig into their pockets and find some more. So the big headline news, the most uh, important thing, two important things happened from the visit both to Canada and the United States. Number one is the United States decided finally that it's going to give long-range missiles to Ukraine. These are called attackums. The British government had already uh, given their, their equivalent system, and this is uh, it's a game changer depending on how many we give and how long these missiles can go, but it will allow the Ukrainians to strike Crimea. And that's key to ending the war. Number two, the Canadian government is pledging to help Ukraine uh, increase its ability to make uh, missiles and other systems domestically in the country, in Ukraine itself. And that also is going to be key to ending the war as well. So this this visit was a big success. A big bet by the Russians was that the West was going to lose interest in this and lose enthusiasm. Right. But I guess having uh, Zelensky on tour as a, an almost you know cheerleader and also being hailed as sort of the Churchill of our times is undermining the notion that anybody would fall out of love with trying to backstop them. Look, he has a heavy road ahead of him. He is a fantastic and gifted politician and performer. And I don't 
use the word performer lightly. I saw him in Washington, D.C. last week, and he, um, you know, he's not a natural English speaker. He's had to learn English uh, since the war started. His English was really rough before the war, and he uh, is able to communicate uh, the, what this war means to individuals in Ukraine. So I saw him and Mrs. Zelensky give a speech in English in front of about 350 people, members of Congress, members of the Ukrainian diaspora, uh, members of, of of the the sort of international community in in DC and they went back and forth beautifully and they managed to, to communicate the importance of, of this war the gravitas of the situation and also I, I think they they struck the right note there was a lot of thankfulness um and, and gratitude gratitude towards the doctors uh and the NGO workers and ordinary Americans who have no tie to Ukraine but have made a tremendous difference in sustaining support Okay, then we have this blunder by the Speaker of the Canadian House of Commons who introduced a guy who turned out to have fought for the Nazis in World War II. Is it inevitable that the Russians will try to use this to bolster their uh, idea that uh, Ukraine is a Nazi country that they have to fix? Absolutely. So, look, Ukraine has an ugly history, and I'm never going to paper over that. And, and I don't think Ukrainians want to paper over that. But I, I think the bigger point is that Ukraine has moved on. It has a Jewish president. Its defense minister is Muslim. Ukraine is actually a great it, it, so today's Yom Kippur, and I have a lot of Jewish friends, and, and it's actually a great country to be Jewish today. Uh, Jewish life is thriving in Ukraine in ways that I think would surprise Americans and Canadians. You know, it if you were to ask me, how would you describe religious life in Ukraine? I would say it looks a lot like Canada. Uh, you you have uh, Crimean Tatars, you have Orthodox um, believers, you have uh, Catholic believers, you have evangelicals, you have Jews. You know, everyone is welcome. And the idea of what does it mean to be Ukrainian today? It's a civic identity. It's no longer uh, an identity that, that's defined by religion or um, or ethnicity. And I, I think that's a fabulous thing and something we don't talk enough about. Okay. but And to circle back to my question, just how much of a diplomatic faux pas was that? Or are we going to just keep moving? So the Russians are, are going to glom onto it, and the Russians love the, this this idea that that Ukraine has a Nazi past, and and you see this over and over again in their rhetoric. This is something that Putin loves to harp on: is you know that there are Nazis in Ukraine. There are no Nazis in Ukraine. There was the, this horrible past, uh, and and you know the Canadians should have done a better job vetting uh, the, the person that they chose to speak or to honor. Thanks so much for this. Always a pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. Bye-bye. That is Melinda Herring. She is a senior advisor at Razom for Ukraine, also a fellow at the Atlantic Council.